How's it going, sports fans, betters, and cappers? And welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I am your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. This is episode 207, and this podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front. We've got a special guest joining us here today. But before we get into today's episode, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to Bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. And if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, betting-wise, we had a good weekend. Hovland came through. By the looks of it, round three, we bet him to win the event at plus 175. As we record, he's holding a six-shot lead heading into Sunday, so we don't want to jinx it, but we like where we're at on that play. Saturday-wise in the EPL, Everton Wolves under two and a half was never in doubt. Tottenham winning outright on the road was a big one. United unable to cover because they gave up two goals in four minutes, and USC narrowly didn't cover in college football. But when we got into Sunday, that's where we had a good day. Sheffield and City, both teams to score hit at plus 164. Burnley and Villa went over two and a half. Unfortunately, Newcastle, they blew it big time at home, and so we're unable to clean sweep on Sunday. But we are going to discuss a lot more EPL today. As I referenced already, we've got a special guest today. He's a regular on the show. He's a good friend. And we're not going to be covering his Texas Rangers today. We're only going to be talking about his Tottenham Hotspurs. That is Walker Bailey from the Off the Ball Network. Walker, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, but the losing streak's over. We won last night. Um, Finally, the eight-game losing streak is dead. Uh, I put out an announcement that the AOS is over. We're going to win it. Um, (laughs) And so the other two teams should just lay down their arms and just go home. Just stop trying. And... Hopefully they'll hopefully they'll abide by that, so we don't have to play super hard. But I had somewhat doubt it. Um, but other than that, great, like been great. Angie Ball's been a revelation, so I've actually enjoyed sports for the last couple of weeks, and that's that's a funny feeling. It is for sure. And so we're going to be talking about Match Day Three recap. It was a very lively weekend of action. We're even going to look ahead to Match Day Four. We know that it's not until Friday. There's even some EFL Cup action in there if you're looking for something to wager on midweek. So let's start with, we're going to give a winner from the weekend because there was a lot of fun matchups, um, a lot of sleeper matchups, I would say, because there's a lot of bad football being played this weekend. But Walker, if I'm going to give a winner for this weekend, I think West Ham has to be a clear winner. Three to one road victory coming off a victory at home over Chelsea. They knock off Brighton, getting all three, getting six points from those two games I don't think many people saw, especially after West Ham sold Declan Rice in the summer. But Ward Prowess, Bowen, and Antonio all got on the score sheet. What did you make of West Ham's performance against Brighton? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before the show, and, like, you kind of dig into, like, the analytics of it and stuff, and, like, nothing was lucky about it. Like, they just played really, really well. I think I asked you if you thought we were getting back to, like, Europa League level, like, sixth seventh place finishing West Ham and like I think we both were like "Ah, I don't know but maybe like I mean can't rule it out um and then just also on the point that we said like you know they sold their best player them and Tottenham sold their best players and became better football teams like that's really just kind of a weird thing with those two clubs that have happened um but yeah I mean I thought they were really really good the game was never in doubt like once they got that first one they pushed for a second and once they got the second like you know, Mikel Antonio was able to kill the match later with third, but it never really felt like Brighton was back in the game. No, it really didn't. And it's such a shocker because of how red hot Brighton was out of the gate. 
especially with that Villa result. When I saw 5-1, I was like, oh, man, I might be wrong about this Brighton team potentially having a down year, and then you get a game like this. So who is your winner for the weekend? Uh, Let's go with Villa. Like, Villa won 3-1. I know you're on the road to Burnley. Like, but for a team that is expected to take a step, going on the road and taking um, – and taking three points is a challenge and it's something that you have to do. Like, you know, they kind of got cooked and roasted or however you want to describe it, whenever they, uh, whenever they got drilled by Newcastle, but you know, since then they've bounced back, uh, they've won their last two matches. They sit on six points, seventh in the table, um, with a three, one win to Burnley and a four, nil win to Everton. So like, I mean, this Villa team's kind of bounced back. I was pretty pleased with the way that they played. Um, I guess it was yesterday morning, or this no, it's today. It was this morning. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, everyone really was high on Burnley coming into the year. You've got the company factor, and that's a tough way to start for them. You, you lose to City, then you have the game against Luton Town was postponed, and then you have this result as well. We noted before we went live of the three promotion sides, they have a combined zero points. No one has gotten a result yet in the first three matches, or two for a couple of them, I'll say, but. Very rough start for promotion sides. I think you could put as a winner, which also kind of ties into where my loser is, would be that Liverpool game that we just watched conclude as we're recording here, to go down a goal, go down a man on a fairly questionable red card. I don't know if it was a clear-cut scoring chance. I wouldn't have personally given the red there, but VAR check, they decided that it was necessary. And then you get two goals late to absolutely steal one against Newcastle. Um, I think that would have to be my loser. And and I know that we talked about before going live, that is not a result that you can have happen. What did you think of Newcastle? I thought the red card was really interesting because I like, I very much see both sides of the argument. Like, you know, if he doesn't foul him, he's probably in one-on-one with the keeper, which makes it a goal, clear goal scoring opportunity, which kind of gives you the opportunity to pull the red card. But then you watch, like you actually watch it and you're just like, I don't know. Like, I just was – I was kind of on the fence. Like, I was glad that I wasn't a fan because if I had been a fan of Liverpool, I would have been irate. If I had been a fan of Newcastle, it would have been a clear-cut red. Like, um, but, yeah, no, it was – I thought, you know, lots of guts and determination there from Liverpool. Just that's probably, you know, that title-winning experience for a lot of them, um, Champions League experience for most of them. And so – I thought they were tremendous kind of once the once Van Dyke took the red and they were able to bounce back and get back into the match and steal three points. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, for Newcastle who wanted to establish themselves as title contenders, I mean, just, this can't happen. Like that's just not, these aren't results that can happen. Um, there's so much pressure now to win on when you're in the title race to keep pace with city and you're already what six points behind, like, it's just you can't you can't create those gaps and then ask yourself to make them up later. I know they've had a tough slate, but since that five one win over Villa, they've been pretty dodgy uh, at best. So yeah. I, I just I thought it was I thought it was bad. I think a big reason why you can't fall behind City right now too is I know that they've got you know three victories from three games, but they're doing it without De Bruyne. Holland hasn't been great. We saw him hit the post today against Sheffield on the PK and. I mean, this has been a, a city side that's still finding a way to pick up victories, and it feels like that's one that you have to get in a critical game against Liverpool when you're up a man, and it's why you can't sit back when you're up 1-0. And even noteworthy would have been the man you game yesterday because I'm obviously a United fan. They're up 3-2, to two and they don't push for another goal. They're like, ah, we're good. And then Nottingham almost puts in a third, which is – you have to push. You have to go out and get more goals. A one-goal lead in the Prem is never safe, and it feels like they just really sat back, and that's why Newcastle pays ultimately. Another loser, loser has to be Arsenal because they were in a pretty similar spot. You're facing Fulham. I know that you give up a first-minute goal, which is like disaster zone. The only thing worse was United giving up two in four minutes, but then they figure out a way to battle back. They make some good changes. They're up two to one. They're up a man at that because Fulham takes a red. And then you give up an equalizer to a 10-man squad. And it's a pretty underwhelming team in Fulham. I don't think a lot of people have them finishing much higher than like 13th or 14th on the table. So that's a really tough one as well. What do you make of Arsenal so far out of the gate? It's almost the same as Newcastle. Like, And we talked about this, like there's been tactical changes with Arteta and like, 
the tactical changes have basically made them the inferior in po- opponent three matches in a row. Like they they've been able to get points, uh, been able to get points out of some of them just based on their player quality. But Forrest outplayed them on opening day. Like Forrest outplayed Arsenal that day, and Arsenal was able to capitalize on the uh, capitalize on and take their chances because they have more quality than Forrest. But uh, which is the name of the game at the end of the day. But like, if you continue this trend and you continue to get outplayed, then eventually it's going to bite you. And you can't be a title contender and get get outplayed every match day. And just on the topic of like t- title contenders, it's like. You look at these matches like Newcastle with Liverpool, Fulham, uh, Arsenal with Fulham, and like you go look at City, and it's like City's home to Fulham next week, and then City goes to West Ham, but then City has Forest and Wolves back to back. Like you just look and you're just like, God, they're just gonna like they're gonna rack up three points after three points after three points, and you can't like that's why you can't let opportunities like this against um, you know Newcastle is a little different because Liverpool's a top four quality side, but like in Arsenal's case, like you can't let a bottom half table come into your stadium and take and get get a result. It just can't happen. You're not a title contender at that rate. You're just hoping that you're good enough to finish in the back half of the top four. And the thing about Arsenal, so Forest Palace, Fulham out of the gate, and then their next three is United at home, Everton on the road, Tottenham at home. Doesn't get any easier for them. So we're talking about the fact that they've already dropped two points with tough matches coming up. To say that they're going to take nine from those three games, I think, would be incredibly optimistic. It's probably oh my God, six yeah. or even be three or four. So you're even when well, you're even your toughest match, and that at Everton has proven like Goodison's a hard place to win, no matter what. And you've got Everton, a, a team that's probably due for some positive regression. They've scored no goals from like five expected goals so far. Like that's not going to continue. I mean, that's that like that's not just a like you know that's not just an easy like an easy trip no definitely not so let's look ahead now to what's coming up in the next week or so we got a couple of good league cup games happening midweek you've got fulham and tottenham obviously happening big one on tuesday and then a pretty big one on wednesday as well nottingham and burnley i'm really interested to watch that game not even from a league cup perspective but with burnley kind of slipping out of the gate how do they look on the road against a team like Nottingham? I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup. But for you, you're the Tottenham guy. What do you think of that Fulham test having to go on the road? Yeah, with Ange saying that they're taking all cup ties incredibly seriously, it's probably not a surprise given that um, given that they're not in Champions League. They're, they're not in Europe at all, really. Uh, and so it doesn't surprise me that they're going to take these things super seriously. Um, it's one that they should handle business in. I would imagine that they'll rotate some on the wings. But I would imagine you're still going to see, like, Richarlison at the nine. I imagine that midfield is going to be rotated, but it'll still be quality. Like, you'll see guys like Pierre-Emile Hoybier, who started every single match, it felt like, for Tottenham last year. Like, I just think their quality should be too much on the road. I mean, I would feel comfortable laying the juice. Uh, I think the only place where you worry a little bit is if Fulham gets, uh, gets their feet beneath them and Tottenham has a rotated defense where you get players like Davinson Sanchez and Ben Davis at the back, and then things get a little bit dodgy, um, which is definitely possible. So, I like, for me, like, if I was going to play it, it would be Tottenham or nothing, um, and probably nothing in that. The one I'm kind of curious about, and I think when I'm going to play, I think I'm going to play um, – I think I'm going to play Swansea draw no bet against Bournemouth on Tuesday. Um, I think that the line's telling a story here a lot. I think, you know, you're getting really short odds where it feels like you're getting a gift in Bournemouth. But Swansea's been uh, Swansea's been at least just somewhat competent and then uh, in the championship and Bournemouth being – and Bournemouth having to heavily rotate their side. I just think it's one where Swansea's going to take it super seriously with it being a cup tie. And uh, and they'll be able to come in and at least be competent. I think you look at the – I think you look at the standings and see, ah, you know, 20th place in the – 20th place in the championship going on the road to a Premier League club, like, um, you know, Big Whoop or whatever. Or, sorry, they're at home. But I just think uh, – I think at home, Swansea will have a chance to be really competitive. And at least at least in the first 90 minutes, like, I think maybe in the first 90 minutes, you'll, uh, you're able to get a result with Swansea there. There is one Premier League side that's playing an inferior opponent in the League Cup that I'm also going to keep an eye on. I kind of like Blackpool on the road against Wolves. I know that it's a League One side, so you're dropping down an additional league with that one, but Wolves have not been impressive. 
they probably should have taken three off United, but outside of that, they haven't been great. I know that they get the Everton result. But that was a pretty dodgy victory that they get there. So I look at that one as a potential, maybe not betting them to win outright, but I, I'd be curious what the spread looks like there. Probably going to wait another day or so to see how the money flows there. But I do kind of like Blackpool against Wolves on the road. I think that they have the potential to at least keep it close with them in League Cup. Now, EPL-wise, we got Luton Town on Friday. They're plus 350 at home. It's their first home match since getting promoted versus West Ham. We could see that exciting Luton Town Stadium. Is this a simple West Ham rolls minus 140 is what it's at right now? Or do you think that Luton's finally going to start? The thing is, I keep every week thinking, when is the promotion side going to get a result? And so I see plus 350. I know I could get double chance at some pretty good money, but I just don't know if I like Luton Town enough to do it. So what do you think of the matchup? Yeah, I mean, if it, for me, like I, it, to me, it's gonna be Luton Town or nothing. I think this is if you're going to sell West Ham, like you're not a believer that they're back to their old form. I have a hard time justifying laying minus one forty, minus one fifty uh, against what's already gonna be a desperate club. Um, I wouldn't want to play any like straight money line type stuff. It would have to be like a double chance. It would have to be something like that, um, just because. I just don't think Luton Town is very good. And also you're not going to get like this raucous atmosphere that you get like in a lot of other, you know, bottom dwellers. It's not like you're going to Goodison Park where the flares are flying and all that stuff. And, you know, Luton Town's a pretty unimposing environment. So um, I don't know. I can't lay minus 140 against anyone with West Ham right now. Like I think it's one of those where West Ham is going to be a team I like as a dog. I like taking their quality to come in and challenge good opponents, but then when I can get inferior opponents, especially at home uh, against West Ham, I'll probably take some take some spreads and hopefully either get one goal losses or get draws. Okay, so let's move ahead then to Saturday. We've got six matches going on then. So early one, we've got Sheffield United and Everton. Sheffield's plus 210 at home versus Everton at plus 131. And then you've got Man City minus 750 versus Fulham at plus 1250. Either of those matchups intriguing to you, early looks. Obviously not going to be putting any money down this far out, but any any yeah. look in either of those games with the value that you're seeing right now? I'll probably play I'll probably play Everton draw no bet, uh, to be honest with you. I've kind of talked myself into it pre-show and then in the show, just talking about kind of their positive regression they're due for. And I think Vegas is showing you, like, line strength with Everton as well, saying, like, hey, like, I know that this is at Bramall Lane, but Everton's, like, clearly the better club between these two teams. And so I think I'll probably lay minus 145 on the draw no bet. I don't expect them to go in there and come out with zero points. Like, I think that they're they're a better club. Like, I think they've got more quality. Like, I think there's a branding to them that when they walk in, like, they'll, you know, they carry a little bit of something with that badge. Uh, I do think that they're – I do think they'll go in and at least get a point, if not come out with three. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not going to, I don't feel strong enough about Everton, nor do I want to feel strong enough about Everton to go and lay the plus 135 on the money line to get all three, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if this comes out like a two nil Everton victory. Yeah. It's because we're talking those expected goals before with Everton, I find it tough to want to go in and bet Sheffield and knowing that they probably have deserved two points from their last two games and they've come away with zero. It very much concerns me in a matchup like that. Um, I do think the other thing with them is, like, if they're going to regress to a mean on that, it's probably going to become against these other, like, relegation dwellers. Like, it doesn't feel like – like, Everton's not going to just start hitting bangers and regressing to a mean against, like, Man City or, like, Arsenal. Uh, I'm not going to rule out Tottenham. That would be very Tottenham. Um, but you know, like those types of clubs aren't going to be the ones that Everton's like, all right, you know, we're going to regress to a mean and play gorgeous football and score three goals today. Like you're probably looking more at like, you know, this is where they hammer on, hammer down on some of these, you know, relegation dwellers and not granted, like Everton is also a relegation dweller. Like that's part of the equation here, but which is why plays a factor there for a hundred percent. And I think that's why you play the draw no bet. And not the money line. It's because you just like, it's like, all right, you know, I think that it's probably likely that, um, I think it's probably likely that they're not very good, but they're still better than Sheffield United. <laughs> I, I don't know how you bet City right now at minus 750 because you'd probably have to get minus two and a half and they have not looked great. Yeah. 
despite the fact that they keep getting results, I'd need a I'd need a starting lineup where you've got Foden in there, probably Grealish as well, because they haven't had a lot of a lot of chances. Like even today against Sheffield, they had the penalty that they missed, but outside of that, there wasn't a ton of other chances that they had. Um, so I would stay away there. Fulham, Chelsea, um, Chelsea minus two sixty at home was one that I looked at as hell yeah. no. I will not be going yeah. anywhere near Chelsea at that kind of money. And I know that you're not a Chelsea fan either. So no. what were you going to say? And what do you think of Chelsea? Well, I was just going to say that Fulham's taking some money here in the U.S. because Man City is minus six hundred here stateside. So, um, so the Fulham is taking a little bit of money. I'm not. I'm not endorsing Fulham. I'm just report i'm just telling you what i see like um um yeah no i'm not i mean i'm not backing forest either like i don't want to back that club i don't want to back that side like chelsea forest is going to be one that i watch and just you know have a rooting interest but like i'm not going to be financially tied up in that or else i'm going to be looking in the mirror like asking myself some questions later um so if you were going to take a shot, if you're going to take a shot from a price standpoint, then it would absolutely be like forced double chance. But like, not, not you're not talking me into it. I, I'm not going to try it. And I'm one who will cry some cra- try some crazy stuff. Like I'm one who tried like Crystal Palace 14 to one at the Etihad last year. Like you can talk me into some crazy stuff. That's just not going to be one of them. So then the remaining three on Saturday, you've got Burnley plus 290 versus Tottenham at minus 120. You've got Brentford minus 160 at home against Bournemouth at plus 385. And then you've got Brighton and Newcastle, probably the matchup of the day on uh, on that Saturday. Brighton plus 157, Newcastle plus 148. Any of those three for you, if I had to pick a side... Actually, kind of like Burnley double chance against Tottenham, but I think it's I was gonna say if there was ever a time for Burnley double chance, this would be it because like I know the vibes are high with Tottenham and all of that stuff, and like there and there's plenty of reason to be excited. I'm very much a buyer in their quality. Like there's been nothing fluky about their level of play so far. Like they really truly have been very good. Um, but if there was ever a time for a road letdown, this feels like it would be it. You've gotten through the first three matches with seven points, like the Brentford match was really weird too. And that's also a different opponent quality um, than Burnley. Like, I just think if there's a letdown from getting three points, like this is a big test for Tottenham where it's like, all right, like if you win and it's weird to say, but like, it's like, if you go on the road and take care of business is a minus one twenty five against Burnley. It's like, all right, like I can take you a little bit more serious now. Like you're not going to be like a lot of the middle mid table clubs where you yo-yo on results. And like, you just have these really just confounding, like, emotionally confounding results where you're just like, ah, what, like, what, what in the world? Um, I think the thing about that one too, is I'm going to have to see how those league cup matches go because yeah. if Tottenham has the letdown, let's say midweek, then I think that they'll bounce back and it's why you don't bet this far out on footy matches, but Burnley in the same breath, if they play well against Nottingham, then I think they may have the momentum going in and feel like they can finally go and get a result in the league. So yeah, I think of- my favorite, I think my favorite side out of that, though, is Brighton. Like, I think I'm back in Brighton. Um, it would be, I guess, yeah, I think so. They're at the Amex again, um, and I can get Brighton draw no bet at minus 110. Um, so basically where, you know, I'm if it's a draw, that's fine. Like, it's basically I just need Brighton to get a result, not to lose. And I have a hard time seeing – like, Newcastle's been outright bad the last few matches. Like, they're in a poor run of form. And also, like, that match when they went away to the Etihad, which is their only road match we have to draw from, draw from so far, they were really timid, and there was absolutely no generation of any chances. Like, they came out of that with a .25 XG. Like, they literally generated no chances. Um, and so I just think that – I think on the road that may be a one that um, – when they're on the road, fading them would be somewhere where you can get a little bit of value. And so I wouldn't hate looking at Brighton at minus 110 on the draw no bet. Um, if you wanted to just outright play the minus or plus 165, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but I don't think I'm feeling that bold. No, so I think I'm not in that match, but I would probably play draw no bet as well. If, if you told me, if you told me it was a one, one draw, I'm not surprised. Even nil, like even nil, nil, this feels like it feels like one where, um, two really, really high quality managers are going to kind of feel each other out out of respect. And so there's not a lot of risk taken early. And then once they get into the second half and feel like they have some edges, then maybe they take some chances and 
you end up with a I, like I don't hate the under there either. I just think that anyhow and then Deservio both have a pretty immense amount of respect for the for the other manager, and so you're not going to come in and like you know swing for the fences in the first 15 minutes. You know, I, I just think it's one of those where there may not be goals. You're coming off to uh, you're coming off to a match where there were a ton of goals at the Amex. Like Brighton just conceded three at home. Um, Brighton just conceded three at home. So I think it's one of those where at some point you would hope that they're going to stop. Uh, they're going to stop conceding goals. I saw a match the other day. The total sits at three and a half right now. Um, or you can get a, if you can get a three, then that would be great. Like. I know that sometimes there's three exploded places, but over two and a half is minus 185, under three and a half is minus 175. They're pretty much telling you that they have no idea what's going to happen. Um, they're pretty much telling you, hey, we have no idea what's going to happen, but somebody's going to win two to one. So, and I, my guess is if they if it shakes out that way, I would I would back on I would back Brighton at home. Okay, so last one before we move on to chatting some NFL. You've got Liverpool and Villa. You've got Crystal Palace and Wolves. But the matchup on Sunday to watch is definitely going to be Arsenal and Man U. Arsenal minus 135 at home against Man U, plus 115. No analysis. Just tell me who comes out or, and wins, or is this a draw on Sunday? For Arsenal United? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll bet United for sure. I Like, I'm not I'm not an Arsenal, like, and I granted I'm a Tottenham fan, so, like, but my wallet loves – I like my wallet more than Tottenham. So, I mean, like, I'm not going to bet with fandom. But I just – I'm not a fan of, like, the Arsenal tactical stuff, man. And, like, it's so – like, it's so bad. Like, they've been outplayed three times. And, like, I know United haven't been great. But, like, we're also coming off, like, a match where really for, like, 75 minutes United kind of got to their game. And, like, they looked pretty dominant. Like, and I didn't think they looked incompetent against Tottenham. I thought they just got outplayed. Like, and that's fine. Like, it's going to happen. In that first half, and then they fall behind. In the no, they missed. They missed a couple. They missed a couple headers that really, honestly, you would expect a team of that quality to put away, and or at least put one of them away. And they didn't put either of them away. And like some days, you're just not going to take chances, and that happens. But I haven't thought United have been just totally like lackluster. And then also like they have a clear concept. They believe in what they're doing. Like I'll back that club over Arsenal like I and Arsenal true like the uh the lack of a true number nine I think they're gonna have a hard time putting chances in the way now granted Gabriel Jesus did come on late late in that full match so uh, you know by next week it may be he may be to a place where he can come back and play a full 90 which changes the calculus but uh, I don't know like if you're telling me that Jesus is still not able to start then I I don't really have it any reason to bet Arsenal minus 135. Like, I can't justify laying that price. I'll probably I just think they're being priced as tight as getting plus 315 is the way that I look I, at it. Yeah. I just think that they're getting priced as title contenders and, like, nothing that we've seen on the pitch through three matches indicates that they're title contenders. Really, quite frankly, nothing that we've seen from anybody other than City on the pitch indicates that anybody other than City is title yeah. contenders through three matches. And, and that's why we have City already minus 200 to win the league. So yeah. shifted very quickly in their favor. So let's go over now. Let's chat some NFL because we are just a couple weeks away from the season starting. And we're going to go to the NFC West today. I know you're a Titans fan, but we've already got that one covered. For uh, with Stu coming in, I got to get his thoughts on Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson and the big old mess that is the Indianapolis Colts. So, let's chat about the NFC West, one of the one of the more top-heavy divisions, I guess you could call it. San Francisco was the cream of the crop last year. They were thirteen and four. They lost that NFC Championship to Philly quite badly. Seattle made the playoffs, one of the shockers of the year, and they lost to San Fran in the wild card. And then you've got the Rams who dealt with some injuries and disappointing season after the Super Bowl victory. And then you've got Arizona who are just bad, especially once Kyler went down. So what were your thoughts on this division last year as a whole? Um, We all know I'm not like a – I don't know. I, I don't think any of the teams in this division are like just total, like super Super Bowl contenders. I didn't think that last year either. Um, I was like the leader of the Brock Party as a pumpkin club. Uh, all the way through the playoffs and kept betting against San Francisco until I eventually won. Um, and, you know, I feel the same way going into this year. I don't, I don't think it's going to – now with the way the division is set up, the Cardinals are going to be the worst team in football, probably. If not, they'll be one of the two or three worst. That I don't think that's 
I don't think that's at all a question. Um, and then the Rams, like, you know, maybe you get a little bounce back to like a nine and eight, eight and nine type group. Um, but other than that, I, I really do think that the only two teams that'll be really even halfway competent um, will be the Seahawks and the Niners. And I still just the Seattle thing, like it was so out of nowhere last year because they were expected to be bad, bad and then they were good. I just am kind of like, eh, like, are we sure? Like, are we sure that this team is going to be good? Um, so I don't know. I think it's the Niners division to lose again, as sad as that is. Like, I, but I would think the Niners will be one that I absolutely will fade in the playoffs and in, in outside division matchups. Like, I want nothing to do with the Niners long term. Um, even though it is, it truly is a tremendous roster. It's just Brock Purdy is so bad. Um, and so I do think that that's one where you'll be able to get them in the playoffs, which is, again, this is why I bet, which this isn't an FC West, but this is why I bet Dallas to win the Super Bowl. Like, it's because I really do think that the only two teams in the NFC that I think are capable of winning it are both in the NFC East. Like, I think it's Dallas and I think it's Philadelphia. And if I think that's the case, then I think that may be an NFC championship matchup we see, and I'll just hedge out of it at that point. I think it's a free roll all the way into the playoffs. So, so I, I just let, – Let's start with San Fran a bit because Jimmy G, obviously, he's out the door. He's kind of been out the door for quite a while, and they finally just pulled the trigger yeah. and let him go to Vegas. They bring in Sam Darnold as the backup to Purdy. He's looked fine in preseason, but I think it's very good to look fine when you have all of those weapons and – you saw that kind of with Brock Purdy last year, who will be the QB1, because um, they also traded Trey Lance to Dallas for a fourth-round pick. So they gave up three first-rounds to get Trey Lance to then get a fourth-rounder back. So what impeccable value there. Then it's still a very talented roster, as you said, top to bottom. Plenty of weapons. If CMC is healthy in the backfield, he might be the best running back in football. You've got Debo, you've got Ayuk, you've got Kittle. Pretty good D-line. Fred Warner at linebacker. Pretty decent secondary. So you would then – would you have San Francisco as the third team in the NFC then behind Dallas and Philly? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Like I just think the like, gap – You have like tier one is Dallas-Philly, and then they would be tier two. And like they would be tier one. two, and I don't think the gap between – well, and actually really it's like – it's a hard thing because like Philly's kind of in their own tier – like, I think – and then I think Dallas is really close behind, and then I think there's a little bit bigger gap, and then there's San Francisco. Um, so I think it's almost like a tier one, a tier one and a half, where Dallas is kind of in their own little neighborhood, and then tier two is, like, San Fran. Um, and then I think maybe, like, by the end of the year, we'll add whoever wins the NFC North to that tier two. Like, I think if Detroit wins the NFC North, then theoretically you could add them to that tier two. Um because, you know, the argument there would be, hey, they basically have San Fran's roster, roster, except they don't have a pumpkin in the backfield. Um, they have at least Fran, I mean, they're minus 175 to win this division. They're plus yeah. 365 to win the conference, which is, I believe, second best odds behind Philly. They're just ahead yeah. of Dallas. And then minus 450 to make the playoffs. I don't think that in the NFC we are worried about San Fran missing the playoffs because of how good no. that is outside of QB. no. And I do think, and I think too, like, even if like for some reason Purdy got hurt, like I know he's not good, but you at least have some sort of safety net in Darnold sitting on the bench where he can come in and at least steer the ship with that roster and with Shanahan calling plays. Um, yeah, so I, I think really like, I think it's their division to lose. I think they'll be a really good football team. I fully expect that in the divisional round, Philly will play someone stupid and Dallas will play San Francisco. And, you know, I think that's why San Francisco is priced the way they are is because they're saying, hey, this division's really bad. San Francisco is going to be able to chalk up a lot of wins, which probably gets them to the two seed and allows them to host a home playoff game uh, against Dallas in the divisional round, which makes them um, which makes them probably a more favorable team. But for me, like, I don't really have a problem backing Dallas on the road on a short spread against San Francisco in a playoff game. So then Seattle, they're plus 220 to win the division. I'm not worried about them overtaking San Fran. As we pointed out, they were probably the surprise last year. I think that they were top five odds to be the worst team in the league. And then they had a great draft. They had Geno Smith get a career resurgence. Kenneth Walker was solid. And then all those weapons. 
did a good job of getting them to the playoffs. But at nine and eight at that, they weren't exactly flying into the playoffs by the time they got there. They had a good draft. They did get Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. They got Jackson and Smith and Jigba at 20. They got a D end in the second round. They added some running back depth. So it should be overall about the same, but I think it all depends on QB play. Is that where you view this team as well, that it basically falls on? Is well, yeah. a one-year outlier or is he going to be solid again? Well, yeah, and then key point that Smith and Jigba got hurt the other day, and they're saying that it could be like six to eight weeks, and so like he could miss a lot of time. Yeah, so he could, yeah, he could miss a lot of time, and so um, you know, offensively they should be relatively similar. Uh, I think they've got a lot of talent on that side. Uh, Defensively is probably where your questions lie. Is like, are they able to get opponents off the field? Um, I think when they struggled last year with inferior opponents, that's why. Like, you saw Atlanta go up there and Atlanta be able to score a lot of points and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I think that's I, – I really think it lends itself to, like, a eight- or nine-win team. I'm sure that their win total is, like, seven-and-a-half or eight-and-a-half. I'm eight and not half. even looking. Yeah, Eight-and-a-half eight at minus 150 for the over. So, they really – Right, and so I think – yeah, so I think it's a coin flip because the thing is, you get two against the Cardinals and two against the Rams, and like you're not guaranteed to win both. But if you win three out of four to hit that over, you only need six wins elsewhere. Like, and that's assuming you don't be San Francisco at all. And I don't think it's a stretch at all to say Seattle can win in Seattle against San Francisco. So, like, no, call it, you know, call it four, call it four and two in the division. Um, that means you have to go like six and what, 10 or something elsewhere, like six and 10 elsewhere. Um, or not even like five and 11 or something elsewhere. I don't know. I'm doing math in my head. It's a lot. Five and five elsewhere. Sorry. Five and five. Yeah. Nope. Five and five and six. They play 17 games now. Yeah. There we go. Games. Five and six. So if they go four and two in the division, which is not at all a reach, they would have to go five and six elsewhere. And I think that's literally exactly what that team is, is, They'll dominate the inferior opponents in the division. They'll be a 500 club elsewhere, and they'll end up right around a 500 club. So minus 120 to make the playoffs with Seattle. Are you in on that, or are you not playing that at all? I'd probably be away from it because there are some teams that I think just have higher ceilings. Like I can make the same, like I can make the same exact case that I that we just made for Seattle. For the Bears at a much like at a much higher price and in that division, I don't have to deal with San Francisco's roster. Like yeah. I can just play it and know that I'm gonna have a chance to win every single division game and I'm gonna have a softer schedule because I was a last place team last year. Like I can play it with teams like that and know like, you know, and know that I'm gonna have a pretty decent chance. Like, you know, I've I've said it, I guess I said it on Cruz's podcast that I could I can get the Bears to nine or ten wins without trying that hard. And uh-huh. so I think that that's one of those. And I did it with Detroit last year. And I think by the end of the year I ended up being pretty close like pretty close to right. Um and I so I think for me too, when I look at minus one twenty for playoffs, you're banking on a full season at minus one twenty. And I'm like, why would I ever play that kind of number with it? Because if Gino goes down, I couldn't even tell you their backup. And it's as simple as that in the NFL. And so when I see minus 120, it's just really not a value that I would look at as something that I want to play. No, I'm kind of the same way. Um, Like, yeah, like it's the same. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's pretty much exactly, exactly how I'd feel. Like, I think there's some value on no there. Like, like, how do I justify betting? yes on Seattle but no on Chicago but I can get plus 155 on yes with Chicago like that feels more like like I feel like I that's a better bet than I would be betting yes on Seattle um so I don't know I, I would bet no I don't think they get in the playoffs I think they're an eight and nine nine and eight kind of team that sits there right there on the fringe and maybe that's good enough but I think it like you're talking about a third wild card team at best because there's probably going to be some 10 and seven wild card teams so then the Rams, they are plus 950 to win the division. Wouldn't worry about that. Wouldn't worry about plus 3,500 to win the conference. Plus 290 to make the playoffs. Now, this is a team that had no first-round draft pick, and I don't know when their next first-round draft pick is because they sold everything to go and get that Super Bowl, and now we're seeing the, the fallout from that. No Jalen Ramsey. He got traded. Released Leonard Floyd. You're basically relying on McVay, Stafford, Cup, and Donald to somehow win you football games this year. 
because even outside of Cup, I don't know if I could name their wide receiver two anymore. And that's really worrisome <laughs> when you're yeah. going to be leaning on a guy that heavily and a quarterback that has a history of injuries and is coming off a pretty bad one last year. So I don't think that there's value in betting them to make the playoffs. Do I think that there's value in betting the Rams over six and a half wins at plus 105? I could see them being a seven and 10 team, and I would way rather take that chance still getting plus money than looking at them to make the playoffs because this is not a great roster as you start going down the list. You're just hoping that Stafford gets back to top 10 or 12 form as a QV. So what do you think of the Rams? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think if you're betting they're over on their win total, you're basically saying, hey, like, I need you to beat Arizona twice. And then they've got, like, a home game against the Steelers. Like, I'm going to need you to win that one. Like, when Seattle comes to town, I need you to beat them. Like, I need you to beat Cleveland when they come in. And then I need you to probably, like, split Washington and New Orleans. Like, you're asking them to beat a lot of teams that are better than them. And the star power is there. But, I mean, it's like we talked about. Wide receiver two is Van Jefferson, and wide receiver three is Puka Nakua. And I guarantee you, you don't know who Puka Nakua is. Um, and so, you know, I do because I was a BYU 2023 football fan. Hashtag go Cougars. Um, but, you know, or 2022 football fan. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, and, I, you know, the other thing last year is that their offensive line was really bad. And, like, if their offensive line is bad and Stafford's going to keep getting crushed, like, he's old enough where there's probably going to be, like, some injuries there. Like, there has been in the past. Like, when he's not protected, he tends to get hurt. Like, he'll play hurt, but it affects his performance. And so it's one of those things where I'm kind of like, all right, like, I just don't really want to back that team at all because they're definitely capable of stealing games uh, with their star power, but also, like, their stars can definitely get hurt. Like, Aaron Donald's getting close to the end now. Like, Cooper Cup has been hurt in the past. Like, Stafford will play, but he gets beat up a lot. Like, and it affects his level of play. So it's just a team that I don't really want any exposure to. The variance seems too high. So here's a thought is I said that there's the potential of betting the over six and a half wins at plus 105, but saying everything that we just did, such as Stafford's injury history, Donald being towards the end, we know that a lot of pieces left. They don't have a lot in the receiving game outside of cup. Is there a world where they are somehow worse than Arizona? And if they're somehow worse than Arizona, then they could potentially be the worst team in football this year. Or do you think that because they have McVeigh and they have a couple pieces that their roster might I don't be think, too good? I don't think they can be worse than Arizona. Like, because I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't think they can be worse than Arizona. Like, I think, you know, I think they can be comparable, but I still think they're one or two wins better than Arizona. Like, I think Arizona may very well be like a three or four win team. And it's hard to get Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and Sean McVay to four wins. Like, that's a hard thing to do. Um, you know, the bottom kind of fell out last year, and they still weren't that bad. Okay. So then we'll chat about Arizona. Plus 2,700 to win the division. Again, not worried. They're plus 10,000 to win the conference if you like burning money. And then they're plus 900 to make the playoffs. Kingsbury's gone. Jonathan Gannon's in. Kyler is out half the year. They traded for Josh Dobbs. Um Pretty meh roster. No D-hop there anymore. He's now found his home. <laughs> so is this truly just the worst team in football top to bottom? It, even if Kyler played, yeah. where would you have? Yeah, I mean, they're 31 or 32, best case. Like, I think I really – and it's kind of sad because I like Gannon. Like, I actually like the hire. I think Gannon's going to do some good things there. Like, I think they'll build a winning culture and stuff. But I do truly – I think it's the worst roster in football. Like, And I'm not really sure – I'm really not sure what you do with it. Like, they're the favorites to have the worst record in football. And so, like, that's why you're kind of like, all right, well, I can't bet that. And so, I have no idea. Like, I have – Because they're, they're one of the- like plus 250, plus 300 to be worst team in football, which is pretty, pretty low odds considering in years past, I think even last year, there were some really bad teams and they were plus 500, plus 600 at the start of the year. I mean, like, to put this in perspective, Arizona's plus 220 to have the worst record in football. The next closest team is plus 700. Like, Vegas is telling you pretty hands down, they're like, they are the worst team in football. Well, because we we think that Kyler's playing at all. He probably, 
but um but i mean if it gets really bad then maybe not i like i'm not sure i it's and i think it's going to be worried, a play they're not going to play him at all i think that by the time he comes back from injury they are one in seven type territory the season's already over at that point so why bring him back and and they won't rush him back either so it may not even be week nine it could be 10 11 week 12 and then it's yeah. like well season's over they know that they could get the top pick in the draft they could get an absolute haul back knowing who's in college coming into the league next year it could involve trading kyler could involve trading the pick but there's a lot on the line for them long term where why would they even think about it you could, uh, you could, and I don't necessarily think it's burning money. You could theoretically bet Arizona sixteen to one to go and seventeen. <laughs> I don't necessarily think it's impossible. I, 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 I don't think it's bad, bad because I also know that they're playing. They have to play the AFC North, which means four pretty tough crossover games. Yeah, like your best case, your best case is like your best case for a win there is Cleveland, and then you. My thing is just I don't know that the Rams are much better, but I do think that McVay could coach them to two wins again. The home game, but the home game against the Rams isn't until close to the end of the year, and at that point, like you're probably like you don't want to win that game. Like you're trying not to win that game. Yeah. Like I mean, I'll walk you through their schedule real quick. They open with Washington on the road. That's a loss. Like home for the Giants, home for the Cowboys. You're losing both those games. Road for the 49ers, no shot. Um Home for the Bengals, probably no shot, unless Burrow for some reason isn't playing still, which I, and I don't think that's likely. At LA, if the Rams suck, then maybe, but probably not. You're definitely like a five to six point underdog in that game. At Seattle, no. Home for Baltimore, probably not. At Cleveland, no shot. Um, home for Atlanta, that's one you circle where you're like, all right, if we're going to get home, like we really need to lose that one. But that's one where you're like, Arizona very well may win that one. At Houston against another bottom feeder, again, you circle those two back to back. You're like, all right, like those are going to be pretty tough. Um, we need to come out of that 0 and 2. <laughs> um, and then home for the Rams, again, like maybe uh, at Pittsburgh, no bye week and then home for San Francisco no at Chicago no at Philly no and then home for Seattle to close your last five games are all against teams that probably have a lot to play for and yeah it's the three game it's literally just the three game stretch in the middle um that I taught that I outlined home for Atlanta away to Houston home for the Rams if you go and three there then they're gonna go and 17. I, w- I wish that you, if there's a site out there where you could find alternate over-under win totals for teams, I would take like under two and a half because I think four yeah. and a half is where it's at right now. And I think that they could be a one or two win football team. You know what? Let's have some there's little... too many toss-ups in there where I think that there's the potential for them to win, but a long shot odd. I mean, yeah. this is No, but like, I'll, let's, I'll, you know what? Let's have some fun. I'll give it out officially. I'll bet it. We'll track it all year. I'm going to bet Arizona to go in 17 and 16 to one for a half unit. Because you were my guest and you didn't get to talk AFC South, I will also bet that because I think that it's yeah. – it's worth the worth the. I, I think that there. I think that you could get to week ten or week eleven and be having some real fun with it. And at the end of the day, that's probably what you're paying for at that point. Like, it's just having some fun with it. Um. So I think that like that's. But I do think like if you get through those three, then you turn around and you're like, oh shit! Like we could win eight units. I mean, if so, you talk about how bad Washington is, like they're not great and they're laying. But seven Sam Howell is not a disaster. Like oh, but but I mean, still for a roster, yeah. rosters like that, and you're a seven point dog on the road to open the season. I think I know that's why. That's why I that's think how like, bad they are. That's why I think the only road game that you're less than a seven point dog in is Houston, and you're still a four or five point dog to Houston on the road. And so I don't think you win a single road game. And like that's why I said I think the only two home games that they're really going to have a shot at are Atlanta and the Rams. It's that three-game stretch, weeks 10 through 12, where, you know, if for some reason Kyler's back, then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, that could get problematic. Like, they may win those games. I mean, I've seen some books that has Arizona's over-under win total at four and a half, which I think is crazy. So I would 100% bet the under there. But, yeah, this is going to be – Well, it's just because because there's so much variance in the NFL where, like, you never know if there's a random week where it's, like, a 12-point dog and they show up and they just play well. 
like, you know. Okay, well, that caps things off for the NFC West. I don't think that either of us are going to be betting any of these teams to win the Super Bowl this year. They should be. San Fran will be the cream of the crop. Seattle may get in, and then the other two are really going through a rebuild right now. So, Walker, I want to thank you so much for coming on and chatting about that. Obviously, you've got a lot of stuff going on now that football season is back. So tell the folks where they can find your work at home. Yeah, so we're actually in about an hour. We're going to record kind of like – it's not how we wanted to do it, but we're going to record kind of an all-encapsulating preview of college football for Field Stormers, and then we'll be back weekly after that, probably on Sundays, um, just kind of recapping and then looking forward on Sundays. And we may go to two shows a week at some point if it calls for it and if we have the time. Um, so we'll be doing that. Um, Ken, you'll be glad to know I did finally lock in my college basketball future prices, and I actually was able to hunt around and snag a 46 to 1 with Villanova, which I was really, really happy with because they're 30 to 1 most books. And so, yeah, and then 34 to 1. I wish I yeah, so I was, able, I was able to snag a 46, and then I have St. John's 80 to 1, and uh, I'm really, really happy with that as well. So I locked that in. Uh, be sure to kind of stay in, uh, stay in touch. Like I'm sure we'll, uh, with OffTheBallNetwork.com. I think, you know, Ken and I have talked about it. We may go back to bets on bets on bets on Sunday mornings. Uh, that may be something that we do, uh, because I'll have the availability for it. And if he does too, we may go back to that for the NFL season. Um, so just kind of keep in, keep in touch with the both of us, kind of follow us both on Twitter, him at Hedgepod, myself at WalkerBailey818. It's in the tag here. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it should be a fun football season. Yep. Should be a fun football season. Tottenham and man, you both picked up three points over the weekend. So we're in brighter spirits. The Rangers finally got off their losing streak as well. So we got a much happier Walker today than I probably could have expected. Yeah. Had they lost. Up, yeah. And up and up one to nothing as we speak right now. So maybe we're going to build one of those things called winning streaks. <laughs> I'm interested to see how that goes, but appreciate Walker hopping on. Appreciate everyone that listens to the show every single week, and we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Edge podcast.